A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. to the Wise Men's State podcast as we continue our build-up to Saturday's League One playoff final at Wembley. Um, I'm Richard Easterbrook and today for this special episode I am joined by Stephen Goldsmith. Hi Stephen. Good evening. Also joined by Jimmy Ray. How are you Jimmy? Uh, good evening, very good, thank you. Yeah, nice to be, uh, nice to be on again as ever. Yeah, it's, it's a matter of hours for you. You've, 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 you've You've, you're on the last one as well. Been, been putting the graft in, haven't I? Absolutely. <laughs> and finally, last but not least, we've got Johnny Lambert. Hi, Johnny. You all right? Evening, lads. Yeah, I'm all right. This is probably another hour closer to Wembley for me, so it's a nice little filler for the time, really. Brilliant. Is, is this your uh, is this your Wise Men's Day debut, Johnny? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, exciting. Pressure. No pressure at all, actually. <laughs> it's, good. it's great that, like, you know, everybody's counting down the hours and days that much that Johnny sees 45 minutes talking as a filler for Wembley <laughs> just shows how much we're just all willing the time away doesn't it it's like when my um, my daughters are counting down to Christmas how many sleeps it is um, yeah. but it's, but it's not like usually Christmas day is exciting but um, I don't know so I count down to a funeral at the moment it's a bit too much nerves involved but yeah, yeah it's lots, lots of pacing up and down for people at the moment yeah. isn't there yeah just want to arrive to arrive now. Yeah. So today's show, it's, it's going to be a little different. Um, but what we're going to do is revisit a topic that we looked at during uh, during the pandemic. Um, and when we, we did the, the lockdown podcasts, um, and we spoke about football's relationship with music, specifically Sunderland football's relationship with music. Um, with that in mind, we thought we'd put together a, a little Wise Men Say podcast mega playlist on Spotify. Um just for people to listen to on the way down to Wembley or have on in the background while they get ready for Wembley or or, or just to not listen to it all. Um, and it, it started a bit of a back and a forth in, in the group chat about, about the choices that we'd all make and what kind of songs that get us up for games. Uh, so what we've decided to do is just talk about it here um, for the next next half hour, 45 minutes or so. Um, so what's going to happen is me, Stephen, Jimmy and Johnny are going to choose three songs um, that mean something to us as Sunderland fans. Those choices will be locked in and added to the playlist, um, and we'll be putting that out later on in the week. Um, so there's there's an opportunity for you guys at home to get involved if you want to um, to send us your song choices on on social media, um, or you can even email us at hello at uh, wisemansay.co.uk. So with with without further ado, let's get on with our choices. Uh, we'll start with Stephen. 
What's your first song to lock into the Wise Men? This, this is Mega the close. Playlist. This is the closest any of us are ever going to get to being on Desert Island Disco. I know. Although <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 they do get some random guests on there, so you never know. Maybe if they want to go for like niche podcasting. Um, yeah. uh, right. So I mean, there's going to be like loads of like coming away songs and stuff on there, isn't there? Just just getting that out there. These songs are going to mean stuff to people. You want to go for the obvious ones as well. Um, my first one so i mentioned uh, i don't know if anyone you know if any of the listeners have had a chance to listen to the 1990 pod i did with andy dawson i was kind of saying when i was nine year old that was the age i was starting again in football and and was aware of the playoff final but it really really kicked off with italian 90 after that um and it was a bit of a blaze of glory really because we had a season in division one and i'm going to mention a match that stands out in particular then we got the fa cup final after that so it was a good two or three years to be introduced to um, being a football fan, but my first ever away match was as a as a ten year old, um, which was the final game of the nineteen ninety one season uh, when we played at Main Road against Man City, um, and this was the first time you always get fed by your parents or oh, son under a big club, they're a sleeping giant, and you know when you go and experience twenty odd thousand people at Roger Park, you don't necessarily believe them, and this this was probably the first time I kind of got on board with it and thought, wow, this is amazing because Sunderland took down 15,000 fans to Main Road to see if it could stay up. Um, and it was my first experience of football away from Roker Park, really, although it was a bit like home from home, you know, the terrace streets around the ground and the kids playing football on the streets. And at the time, you just think everywhere in England is like that, but of course it's not. And, um, you know, these working class northern towns are very much like that. And uh, I just remember the friendly nature of the fans. Um all day, as I mentioned, there were some kids playing football in the street outside, and and um, you know asked me if I wanted to kick around and stuff, which was which was quite bizarre. And the the game was so pulsating and exciting, the atmosphere was arguably still like nothing I've ever I've ever seen since. Um, you know, inevitably, Sunderland did get relegated because that's what they do. Um, but one override memory I have of of the whole um, experience was um, the Man City fans who were next to us. And as I say, the chanting was going backwards and forwards, but you never felt like it was going to kick off. It was always good-natured. And at one point, they started singing Sit Down by James and physically sat themselves down because it was obviously standing. It was terraces. And there was a cage, one of them old-fashioned minging cages that we all know can you know, have tragic consequences. They were splitting the, the fans and... Um, I just remember saying I'd never seen anything like that at a football match in my life. I just heard the Sunderland chants at Roker Park and it was like I'd heard that song on the radio, obviously, without really, you know, being aware of that kind of music or what it was. And it was only after the game when I got a bit of an education into into the music scene in, in the Northwest and Manchester in particular that kind of opened my eyes up to that. And whenever I hear that song, I think of that game at Main Road and it's a, it's a childhood memory that I have. So my first choice is James and Sit Down. Okay, Jimmy, 
your 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 first choice for the the rock and roll hall of fame that we've that we've decided to create for ourselves here yeah um so i guess sort of coming up coming at this from a similar angle to steve's first choice insofar as it's um i'm obviously um no offense steve but a bit younger but younger than you so my my coming of age sort of era of work was around the time that we moved to the stadium alike so my first see my first season as a season ticket holder was the first season that we played at the stadium um, which obviously was was 1997 and uh, i was eight at the time moved going on to nine i was born in 1999 in the summer so i um sort of when i was when i was thinking of different sort of reasons to have certain songs and, and what they can mean. I sort of thought, well, that era for football and music was very much all about Britpop. It was all about sort of like, you know, there was these big, sort of the, the Oasis Blur thing had gone on a couple of years before. And and looking at that, um, my first choice um, is, well, it's a song by Oasis off an album that is actually not generally thought of as the best, but for me, I do like it. So it's Stand By Me from Be Here Now which was released in 1997. I think lyrically and sort of musically, you can kind of relate it to, to football in terms of like, you know, the ups and downs and, and sort of, you know, sticking with sticking with the team and stuff. And I just think it's kind of one of those songs that really sums up an era. Um, and that era would be sort of the late 90s. You always think the sunny days, you know, first couple of seasons at the stadium, like just as Sunderland started getting good, just as I got old enough to appreciate it, started going to the games regularly, Quinn and Phillips and all that sort of thing. And it's, it's just like that era. And another memory I have of the same time is the same, it was the same time I started getting into music. And I vividly remember um, sort of like, I think it was year five or year six at school on a day where you could wear your own clothes. A lad in the year above had an Oasis t-shirt on. It was the blue one with the black Oasis on it. And that must've probably been that year or maybe the year after. And, I, you know, you vaguely remember listening back to songs as a kid, and, and that is a song that I do remember from the time. So, yeah, my first sort of, I guess you could say, so I don't know, looking back and through rose tinted glasses, the late nineties as, as a kid, just getting into football and music, I'd, I'd choose uh, "Stand by Me" by Oasis. Great choice that. It's that that I, I did I did kind of uh, hover over Oasis quite a lot because uh, I think people of 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 our age, um, mid thirties, mid to late thirties. Sorry, Stephen, early forties. Um, <laughs> I, um, I kind of I nearly, I, yeah, I nearly went for a song from the same album as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was I was I was I was thinking of a, of one from uh, what's the story, Morning Glory, and different markers in our lives as Stewie just yeah. said there. And I'll mention mine. I'll get an honourable mention later on, but yeah. People, and I know because it's 25 years ago, people romanticise what happened in, in the Britpop era. But I think it, it what everyone, how, how special everyone said it was, I think it, it was, it was kind of, the music was tuned to the culture, which was tuned to the football and everything kind of melded together to be like kind of created for us. Uh, I just wish I was like five years older because I could have like been in bars and stuff. But instead I was, I was a 14 year old in a, in my bedroom listening to Oasis. So that's that's uh, that's Jamie's choice, which is "Stand by Me." Brings us on to Johnny. What's your first choice? Um, no, it's a slightly melancholic one, really. Um, Bring the mood down now. 
No, no. Um, <laughs> we, um, Razorlight Somewhere Else, which I think was off their first album, though it could have been one of those songs that drifted between albums and there had just been a one on its own, an EP. But essentially it takes me back to a game in 2006. Um, I, I was probably, what, 2006? Uh, 20, 20, yeah, um, early 20s. And I kind of migrated from going to the football with my uncle, who's the, kind of the mainstay of my Southern support ship. And I'd be, as a kid, sat there with my pop and my crisps in the Navy club, watching my uncle and his mates play a card game, which I've never understood what it is, how it works. And I'll just sit there and about eat, eat one of their famous pies. And um, every so often there'd be a chorus of Niall Quinn's disco pants or something. And that was my, that was, that was coming up ringing. But when I got old enough to to drink and then start doing the, the kind of full match day experience with the lads. Um, when we went to the Derby day, it was, um, it was, it was the Newcastle 4-1 in 2006 where we lost. And um, I think that was our fifth defeat in a row to them. So it, it was about as bad as it could have got. And we were, um, we actually won 1-0 up through Justin Hoyt. I think he was on loan from Arsenal. And then I think we conceded three goals in about five minutes in the second half, which yeah. Big Chopra scored in front of the, um, it's now the Roker end. Shearer got a penalty and um, I don't know who else scored now. But um, I remember a load of ex-Sunderland's playing for Newcastle as well. I think Bramble played, Lee Clark played as well. Um, Shea Given was playing as well. And um, I think it was one of those games where we went into it with... Um, maybe a little bit of renewed hope. And then we, we went one nil up and, you know, the naive side of you think's going to be all right. And then we just capitulated. So we went to, went to the pub after the game, sunk a few more beers and we got a car, one of the des- designated driver, f- flicks the radio on, what's Sun FM or Metro or whatever. And then Summer House comes on by Ray's light and we're all just kind of humming. And then we start singing it. And then it was just kind of like perfect metaphor for the day as we're driving through Hendon on the, Coast Road towards the A19 and back down to kind of East Durham where my friends and family live. And um, yeah, we just basically wanted to be anywhere else but there at that time, really. So it was one of those that we kind of reminisce every so often and bring it up. Because it's a great song. And that, that personally, for me, I think it's a really good song. They were a band that probably drifted in and out of the music scene a little quicker than they should have. And it's certainly very good live because I remember seeing them a few years ago but that's one of the ones that I would I always pin to a certain kind of era or moment um, and luckily the Derby's got a lot better after that which there is a kind of light at the end of the tunnel with that one and you keep your mouth shut and your knife stays still and then you come and call on me you say I just can't help myself I really really wish I could be Yeah, certainly remember it. Feeling like it wasn't wasn't going to get any worse than that that day, that day. There's an argument to say if you if you're driving through Hendon and that song is literal and metaphorical. <laughs> uh, I'm joking. Yeah. If anyone's listening from it, I used to work in Hendon for years. I'm joking. I'm allowed to say that. I think we did drive a bit quicker through. Yeah. <laughs>
So um, that brings me on to, to my first choice. Um, again, there's there's absolutely no Sunderland link to this whatsoever. Um, that will change in in the in in the latter part of this of this pod. Um, but my choice is a song that that kind of heralded the beginning of my interest in football. Um, my first game was the first first home game of the season in 1990 when we were in Division One, uh, when we played Tottenham at home. It was a midweek. Uh, it was nil nil. I don't remember anything of the game. I think I've said it before on the, on the pod that I, all I remember was was were people stamping up and down on the uh, on the on the wooden floors around us, and I, I was terrified. I had no, I had very little interest in the game, but I'd loved the World Cup that that preceded it. Um, my brother had the the Orbis uh, sticker file. It wasn't a book; it was a, a big file, big like lever folder, which had Rude Hullet on the front. Um, and he collected most of that, and I, I just remember pouring through all the pages and just being completely obsessed with with the World Cup. And the song that was on all the time was was England New Order with the World in Motion. Hear that now, and it takes me back to being being excited about the World Cup and not really fully understanding the game of football, but but kind of knowing from quite an early age that this this is my sport. So that's that's mine. That's mine that I'm locking in. So that's all of our uh, first choices locked in. Um, very of its of its era. Um, Stephen, choice two. What is your second song to go into the vault? So this one, I'm not sure my first choice was coming of the age, it's more just a childhood memory and maybe an introduction into that kind of music where this one has a meaning for me from two eras, really. And most people will be on board with the second era when when I when I tell you what it is. But um, the first time I was out, it was a bit of a coming of age song. I was about 13 year old. And this was a time when, I flew the nest, I guess, in terms of football, because it started going to Roker Park with my mates. I was, it was about the time when I was allowed to do that. Um, my mum and dad momentarily had a, had a had a shop on Sea Road, and I used to finish going to boys' club on a Saturday morning, get the bus across there, get some money off them, and um, and 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 get a bus to meet my mates at Roker Park. And then a little bit after that, I would I would often just go from from home or from their houses and, and sort of like Grindon areas and stuff, and. Um, and 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 at the, at the time it was quite crap to live in Sunderland. Like being frank, um, I I was starting to get to the age where I was starting to become aware of that. You know, in terms of like job prospects and stuff like that, I, I was starting to get a little mature enough where that that started to to come into my mind. The teachers would often, you know, would try and say to you, you need to try and go to university and get out of Sunderland. Basically, I mean, you know, very few people from. <laughs> I know I actually went to university school in terms of my friends anyway, which is fine. Um, but 
it, it was, you know, if you want to be really harrowing as well, there were, there were kids my age being murdered in Sunland at this time. And it was just, it wasn't the nicest of eras to, to grow up in. And um, to get back to football terms, a more lighthearted side, Newcastle was starting to get good as well, which was annoying because Sunderland were terrible and they were, um, you know, struggling to fight survival from the second tier every season. But going to the match was was my identity to become my identity and, and it meant everything to me. And um, this song, um, the sort of lyrics give, give you hope, I guess. And people will definitely know what I'm talking about when I say, when I mentioned the second time I came back around into... Um, into people's thoughts because that was when Gus Poyet was manager and it became one of our resistance songs. And in other seasons when Sunderland had, uh, had been crap and, and looked like they were going to get relegated, uh, fans sometimes had given up hope quite quickly. And I think that probably stems from like 19 point seasons, 15 point seasons. And this time under Gus Poyet was a little bit different, wasn't it? And, and we all sort of, got behind him and and this song became one of our resistance songs and in a season that ended up all right really going to St James's and stuffing them again getting to a league cup final and going on that amazing run that kept us up at the end of the season um so if you haven't worked it out um dream and things can only get better is is my second choice I can't, I can't tie it to to, to Sunderland as, as much because I, I wasn't really. I, well, I was I was more of a journalist at that time. I was I was covering games as as press. The so second time around, you yeah, the second time around. So yeah. when when fans were singing it, I was I was kind of like I wasn't part of it. So it was a bit of a shame. But mm. it was it was great. It was great because, like I say, it was it did feel like a resistance song at the time, and it kind of worked. Because um, we turned we turned that round, and that was a little spell where we we would turn those relegation troubles around. But the first time round, had it not come round the second time, I, you know, I don't know if it would have reminded me of those early days as much. But it was certainly one of my favourite songs when I, when I was a kid, and and you know, just to get a bit corny, our, our wedding playlist is made up of songs from when we were kids and songs that, like loosely linked to Sunderland, and that one was 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 up the top of the list. Great. Jimmy, what's uh, what's your what's your song? Number two, yeah. So my uh, my my number two song sort of um, links back to what Steen was saying there. The second the second part of his of his dream. So that same the same era that we were singing um, things can only get better. Uh, we also would were regularly singing sort of a, a Sunderlandish version of uh, of Three Little Birds by Bob Marley. Uh, Don't worry about a thing because every little thing's going to be all right. I can vividly remember that Poyet season especially always stands out for me. The away games at Man City. Uh, Man United, Liverpool, and obviously carried on after that as well. But I, I distinctly remember the Poyet season in the Poyet season. Sorry, um, just that was the other sort of protest or song, if you like, not protest again or sort of like you know fight song that you know it, it was very much similar to how we'd sing. The, things can only get better. We'd also sing, you know, don't worry about a thing. Everything's gonna be all right. And it would get faster and faster and harder and harder to understand, probably for. 
you know, the uh, the other the, the, sort of the home fans and all coming across on the telly what we were actually singing, other than it was loosely to the tune of Three Little Birds. But yeah, I just I just vividly relate that song because I went to that was probably one that the season where I went to the most away games. I think out of any of the seasons possibly till this one. Um, so I was, um, yeah, I just there was just numerous games in that in that season, the one afterwards, especially where that where it, it just reminds me of an era where. We were in the Premier League and we obviously, for all the faults that we had, um, some of the results we pulled off against big teams, you know, with really, you know, uh, uh, you know the kind of the modern era, world-class teams, with world-class players. And we would somehow just pull off these ridiculous results when we needed them the most. You know, the win, win away at Chelsea, the Wickham scoring at the Etihad, winning at Man United and drawing at Liverpool, all stuff like that. And it just, yeah, it just... That, that sort of song sort of sums up an era of like sort of the late Premier League and we get criticised all the time in the media. You know, Sunderland need to go down this season. This, you know, they can't do this again. They can't, they can't pull it back again and then go and do it, go do it again. And, I, and yeah, that, so singing, sort of singing a really fast and really bad version of Three Little Birds by Bob Marley is just one of the memories that I have of those really, really good away days. And that's in those couple of seasons. And and yeah, I, I thought I'd have to stick it on, the, stick it in the vault uh, just for that, really, because it really, really, really enjoyed that. You know that you might not think you know that fans of teams who lose most of the games in the season could actually enjoy any of the games in those seasons. But when we when we would pull it back at the end, and every it would always get to sort of like March, and then it'd be like Sunderland aren't going to do it again, are they? And then we and then we just did somehow, you know, years and years in a row, um, sort of three or four seasons, wasn't it? Where we where we came back and I don't know for yeah. me that. Those away days were summed up by that song in a way. So yeah, that's why it's going in there for me. remember it from the from the Cardiff game over over the Christmas of, of that season yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And I think I think both songs were getting a, a, an air in that day and I, I remember I'm sure D-Ream was part of the part of the yeah, we, rabbit, rabbit quite regularly would alternate from one to another yeah the two resistance we, songs weren't they? Yeah. I remember yeah. we'd often start say we conceded the goal it would often somebody would just start one of the two of them and then this gradually it would build up and the whole way and they'd be doing it and then it became like a thing where, because I think we must have at some point scored not long after we started doing it. So it felt like if we start singing this, then we're going to score. And it just sort of carried on. It was great. They served the purpose, though, I would, I would, I would argue. Because mm-hmm. like like I said, like, you know, when I, when I was given the rationale for mine, I like that. And understandably, some of the fans have given up hope quite quickly when they've been in this position before. Really, really scarred by, uh, you know, losing every single game under the 15-point season, for example. And, and I, I feel like it's like you rightly say there, Jim. I, I think it 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 just it, there were a couple of songs, easy songs to sing, that just got people back in the mood. Like, come on, we're not giving up on this yet, and we're getting behind the team, and we're going to create an atmosphere, and that could have only helped the players. I was at yeah. the um, first two away games that those songs really started to come in. I think Swansea away, we lost four 0 I think it was Poyet's first game, and I think things kind of get better came in then. Um, 
But the Cardiff away game, I think it was a tea time game and it was on Sky and we were 2-0 down and it almost it was almost like or some sort of um, real protest chant and it just kept going to go quicker and quicker and quicker. Then I think Fletcher got one back and then obviously Colback pretty much scored the last kick of the game and it just created scenes and suddenly there was a momentum gathered from absolutely nothing. So I did think it served a purpose at the time. It really was good. And he didn't tend to get out of breath singing it. It was quite an easy one to do. There's certain songs you've got to try a bit too hard with. So don't need that. Johnny, since since you have the have the floor, what was, what's your choice for your second song? Yeah, I mean it's not one song must be sung on the terraces or anything. It's more of um kind of marks an era of of my supportership where um I'm, uh, although my family from the northeast, I was raised in the southwest and um around well maybe 2014, I want to say sometime around then, I managed to link in with um a lad, a lad who, um, my mate Alex, um, whose whose dad turned out to come from the same town as my family, and um, they always liked to go and watch Sunderland, but they couldn't get tickets because they didn't really have any links. Whereas I had season tickets in my family, so we started doing away days together. Get the um, get the tickets for them. We'd spend a lot of time on the road going to um, going to various away games across the country, mainly Midlands, South, and Wales, and what have you, and London based ones. But we'd always um, as most people originate from the Northeast, and music's always been a big staple in their lives. Um, not saying any more than anyone else, but I do think it's something that is quite important. And um, uh, my mate Alex's dad, Rob, he um, he was a bit of a Stones fan amongst various music and always tend to end up putting um, Give Me Shelter on by the Rolling Stones, which is um, it's a great driving track. It's a great track anyway. Um, and uh, obviously famous from Layer Cake as well, which is another favourite film of mine. And it's just one of those that always tends to be on the, um, the driving playlist when we're out, out on the roads, putting in the daft miles to get behind the team, win or lose. And um, yeah, I know, um, I know quite a few fans who like the track. I don't, like I say, it's not really a, a sing-along song as such. It's more um, musical-based, but... Um, yeah, that, that would be my second choice to um, go in the vault. Stuff. It's a good choice as well. That um, my choice is um, it's 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 a weird one because it has again no no relation to to Sunderland, but um, a lot of my kind of early games happened to be at Manchester. Um, uh, my first away game was in '96 when we played them in the th- in the Man United in the third round of the cup. Um, we drew two two with them. I think we were two. 2-1 up I think and then they got a late equaliser um, so we almost beat them um, and obviously love love everything about Manchester with with the Stone Roses with with Oasis with all the bands that came out at the time um, and this is a song that the play that Man United play before they come out and for some reason I got it into my head on the morning of the Capital One Cup final and it's 
it it now gets played every time we go to Wembley um, on the old playlist in the morning and it gets, gets me up for the game. And it's uh, Stone Roses, this is the one. just anthemic I mean most of the songs off that album are, are, are standalone classics um, yeah. and it's, it's it's incredible how how they burnt out so quickly but they've kind of created a generation's worth of, of terrorist chants really uh, terrorist music really it's it's so kind of indelibly linked to to my time supporting Sunderland it, it, I couldn't I couldn't go without putting Stone Roses on my little uh, my little uh, submissions for the playlist I always think with that as well, like whenever you're at Old Trafford, I always think it's such a good choice to yeah, have. It really is. Just before, just before the teams are coming out. Because you can always hear, you know, on like Maps of the Day or on Sky when they've got the, the camera in the tunnel, you can sort mm. of hear it in the background there and it just it just works with football. I mean, obviously Stone Roses have a have kind of a link with football culture anyway, but I think I think a lot of it will come from for some reason their songs, especially sort of this is the one being a great example of it, it just really, really fit, fits well, fits well with footy. It's sort of sums up the uh, it creates a good atmosphere it's got a nice good sound to it and it just works doesn't it you know almost intangibly it just it, so i can see why you play it when you go to Wembley because so well. i bet so <laughs> yeah. many people would pick a stone roses song if you're given the platform to do something like this because that must surely dominate a minibuses up and down yeah up and down the country following sunland from from probably covering spanning 20 years if not you know, 90s and noughties, certainly. Still now. United fans as well, isn't it? Because it's there, mm. you know, the, I know I think Manny and Ian Brown season ticket holders there, aren't they? I think they're, right. um, so it's good to have their own identity, much like Man City have a Oasis and Noel Gallagher's best mates with Pep and all that sort of thing. You know, it's nice to have that identity of like, what is a super band in a way, a massive band. Well, um, during the the live pod that we did last year, the for the for the Papa John's, I say last year, the year before, for the Papa John Trophy final, um, we did like a halftime interval where we we put a load of pictures on from from people who'd gone to the games um, at Wembley, and I just put a little playlist over the top of it, and that that was one of the choices. So it was, I kind of loved seeing all of all of our lot kind of enjoying themselves at Wembley with with that Stone Rose soundtrack. It was pretty sweet. So we'll have a quick break. Um, after the break, we'll come back with our third choices plus the ones that almost made it. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Wise Men Say podcast. And we're going to go straight into our third pick for, for the playlist. Um, as I say, we're going we're gonna to put this playlist out at the end of the week. Um, and... We're going to ask for your choices on social media throughout the week. So you know it's it's not it's not set in stone. You know I'm not I'm not going to be I'm not going to be uh, too dismissive of people's choices. You know it's a playlist is something that you know you can skip a song you don't like. You know it's 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 we're not the police. It's fine. So um, Stephen, your third choice, your final choice for this uh, for this playlist, then. Yeah, well, you know, I did quite depressingly state there that Sunderland was a bit of a grim place to live in 1994, <laughs> and the football was kind of like all I kept was going. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, give you a flip side of that and say um, 2005 was a really good year to be living in in Sunderland, and I was, um, I think, I possibly living by myself at this point. I'm not sure. I just, I certainly feel like I was. Um, and this was just, this was a couple of years before the. Uh, you know, that version of the financial collapse. And um, it seemed that everybody had disposable income and Sunderland as a place was like bouncing. You'd go out on a, on a night out and all of the pubs, like all of them in, in town were really, really busy. The nightclubs, were, you know, nightclub culture was still a thing then. And um, of course, Sunderland won, won the league um, in 2004, 2005. And I often feel like that's, underplayed out of the championship winning teams. I think people focus on 96 under Reid and 2007 under Keane primarily. And I don't know if it's just because what followed that league win was the 15-point season and a lot of those players were still involved. And I, and I do wonder if that association is made, even if it's subconscious. Um, but it was, a, it was a good year. We had a good summer that year. Um you know, obviously with the football team doing well and, and as I say, the, you, you felt like the, the, the nightlife economy certainly was, was good in Sunderland at the time. A lot of optimism. I remember Radio 1 came and did a, a concert in Sunderland that year and they did the big weekend up here, which was really, really good. I went to one of those days. Foo Fighters were there. Right. So I got to see yeah. Foo Fighters live. Seeing them twice. Imagining like, you know, pre-2005, somebody telling me I'd watch a Foo Fighters twice in Sunderland and you just you would just never think that was, that was going to happen. Um, but, we, we've mentioned the, U, the UK music scene a lot here in, in terms of like, you know, the, the Britpop and the indie and all that kind of thing. And it co- sort of re-emerges, I think. I mean, it's always there. And, you know, the diehards know it's always there, but it kind of re-emerges into popular culture every few years, doesn't it? And I started with Jay talking about James there, and that was possibly towards the, the latter part of that, where we missed out on a lot of that in the 80s and that, didn't we? But then mm-hmm. I come back, as you mentioned there, like in the mid-90s, um, it blew up again then and I kind of feel like in terms of as I said as a, as a general UK popular culture thing I, I feel like it, it kind of went on a maybe hip-hop and R&B to, to before the mid-noughties I would say late 90s and early 90s yeah. and then around this time it was just starting to flip back I think and really took off for a couple of years like Johnny mentioned Razor like there and there was loads of good UK bands were starting to 
to make an appearance. And, uh, and so all of those songs just give me good memories of that of that year and that era. And as I've said, it helps that Sunderland won the league. So it was a good year and it was a good time. And I think when I was thinking about making a choice, I could have went for so many bands that reminded me of that particular era. So the ones that have just the ones that have just edged it. Um, have done so because they're from Sunderland and, and, and future heads were getting as much airplay as anybody around that time. Um, you know, they were, they were all over Radio 1, they were all over MTV2, which was the channel that showed all these, that played all of these kind of music videos at the time. Um, they were featured at the big weekend as well. Um, they were supporting, I remember the support of the Foo Fighters in Wembley, I think, around this time as well. So, and I just think that Sunderland connection is, is, is what, makes me go for them over anybody else. I then had to think of my favourite uh, Future Head song, and it's always between two, um, which is Carnival Kids. Um, but the one I've gone for, um, which is, I, I can't help but be my favourite. If I listen to them, I, it's just the one I'm drawn to, and um, that is Decent Days and Nights. great choice so i was um i was living in sheffield around this time when 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 their first two albums came out i went to see them at the lead mill and it was uh i, I felt like i was felt like a proud dad because they're like from the city i was from so it was like i was telling people these are these are my band where uh, it was it was i know they've got they they've personally got no interest in in sunderland as a football club but i always quite quite like the way i think barry's converted now you know yeah yeah well they've always been supporters of the city um and they've always been in the city they've not you know naffed off to london at the first opportunity um and you know you can see what 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 barry's doing with 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 the peacock and keeping the kind of music spirit alive in in sunderland it's 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 good to see um and the, and the fact that the Sunderland, the Sunderland, the club kind of embraced them as as a Sunderland band as well. So they played played them out on the as the walkout music, um, which which uh, may may come up later on in the pod. But <laughs> but they use like decent. That was days your and link. Nights. That was your link. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they use decent days and nights um, as 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 a kind of video music as well. So it was yeah, it's they're a big part. They also played um, at the stadium uh, the last game of the season in the the. Uh, the Mick McCarthy promotion season, uh, when we played Stoke, they came on it. I think it was either half time or before yeah, the game, which was, which was the uh, which was the time this mm-hmm. specific time that I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. They did decent. I think they did decent days and nights, didn't they? That was the yeah. thing they did. I seem to remember. And that was during the season where they play, they'd put like club acts on the on at half time. They'd come on and stand in the middle in the middle of the. They put they put the they put the lino down on the centre circle. Yeah, they? yeah, 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 yeah. That was great. It'd be t- a terrible club act, but this time it's a future heads on this little stage. It was it was really cool. So um, it brings you on to Jimmy's third choice. Um, they might they might be a bit on on a similar bench. So so if you want to crack on, <laughs> which if yeah, it's uh, if you haven't guessed by. Uh, already, it is also the future heads. Now, um, I must stress at this point, I'm not just copying Stephen, even though it may seem like it with my choices. Totally being, was. It's being similar to his each time. But um, I actually, um, 
Well, I I started sort of coming of age and going out and that um, obviously being from Durham um, and going out around sort of the northeast um, at the time of Future Heads uh, that era Stephen was referencing there. So we go to gigs in Newcastle and Sunderland, see bands like Maximo Park, Future Heads, you know various others as well. And and that era sort of coming of age sort of indie. I mean, I'm a I'm a massive indie indie lover. Um, probably too much. In a, in a way, um, but uh, yeah, no, it just it's just the era that I grew up with music in the future heads for me, like synonymous with Sutherland, and and I'm really really proud that that because they were such a good band and they were a really important band in that in that era. And they 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 were they were big and they were good and um, similar to what you were saying, Rick. I went to uni in Sheffield in 2007 um, and I saw them play at the students' union that year. Uh, took some me new mates from uni to all oh, yeah, I. You know, that bigging them up. Oh yeah, these from Sunderland, and you know, I support Sunderland, and uh, I'm from near Sunderland. Come watch this band of future heads, and, and they were absolutely class. And you know, it just sort of summed up that era. So I went with uh, something different album to Stevens. I, I actually went with the the song that is played. Um, play, well, sorry, it is played was played when we come out on the pitch, and also which uh, which forms the name of our newsletter. Why is one saying new, newsletter as well, or or inspires that as well? The twist. So I've gone for the beginning of the twist. Which is a great song. Um, and we've already sort of covered the impact that the future heads uh, sort of have had on, on Sunderland as a city in the in the sort of the northeast and and up to this day with we, we, you know with various efforts and, and stuff they've put in. So um, I uh, have chosen that, and I would encourage anybody who who hasn't listened to much future heads and doesn't really know much about them to definitely check them out because they are one of the best bands that the northeast has produced, in my opinion. Um, full stop. So yeah, uh, yeah, beginning of the twist by the future heads is my third and final choice. If only I could find the time I want to kill I can feel it Wise words indeed. Um, they're still they're still playing now. It's I think it's very much part of the Sunland the Sunland zeitgeist. Um, that little peak run up that that Frankie puts together of all, of all the songs that have kind of punctuated our uh, our walkout music over the years. It's you know it's 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 part of the pantheon now, definitely. So Johnny, what is your third choice? Well, um, to keep with the theme, obviously we've got another band making its uh, second appearance now. The song came out in 1989. Now, I'm probably only a couple of years younger than Stephen, so I'm probably only, yeah, probably a couple of years behind of my kind of supporting of Sunderland. Um, and um, when that song was out, and we obviously probably qualifying for the World Cup at the time and um, in 90, and I'd pretty much done a smash and grab on anything I could get, Stickman, memorabilia from the the World Cup Italia 90 and all the sticker albums and what have you and that's when I really got into football then I suppose I think 92 final was probably the first kind of football match in Sunder related that really got my memory going but this song has pretty much survived from its release to the current day and will continue probably forever because it's such a catchy one and that's um 
Fool's Gold by Stone Roses. Now, what it makes me think about football, um, I know Sky Sports used to use it on the theme music to um, the Coca-Cola Cup, Worthington Cup, and I think that extended to um, the championship as well. So you'd always, that would always have that, um, that hook leading into the highlights and that. And it's uh, such a cool song. And obviously they released the two versions. I think this, I think the one they use is the nine minute 53 version, which is um, got a little bit more kind of um, synths in it, I think, or something along those lines, but it's just a great song. And it reminds me of, like being a kid where you, you get in the ground a bit earlier than you would when you're falling out of the pub as a lad in your twenties and you'd be there with your program and you'd be kind of pitch side watching the players warm up and it'd be, coming out of the kind of knackered speakers at football grounds pre-match while they're warming up. But it, it was okay because it wasn't bassy, it wasn't vocally, it was just a really cool beat. And it, it just, for me, kind of underpins so many football-related grounds and memories. And you'll, you'll struggle to watch many, maybe I know, Premier League years, Football League years, where that song doesn't get introduced at some stage because yeah. it is and like we like you were saying Rick about the Manchester scene and um and that it was so powerful with music and having two clubs in that city as well just kind of emphasizes that link with um with the football and um much like what Stephen was saying you could pick um songs off nearly all that album like you could with a lot of Oasis numbers and that for me um, but the fact that it will live on, it will carry on being relevant and it will be a crime, certainly if my children and other people's children of my generation don't get to hear that music. So that's why I constantly play it around the house, music of my era. Uh, so it seeps through their pores in some form of osmosis and uh, <laughs> they actually get a, um, a proper music education and not, just sing songs from Frozen all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good, it's, it's, and I'm, I'm I'm glad you you you're doing the the good deed and making sure that that, that there's a legacy. <laughs> well, we're all influenced by our parents, and I was lucky. My parents were um, kind of young adults in the '80s, and they they went to a lot of see a lot of bands, and they had really good music taste and some really good influences from them that like live strong with me. And they all stand the test of time, this music. Um, and a lot of it goes full circle. I mean, going back to Future Heads, what was their kind of, their arrivals, Kate Bush cover, you know, Hounds of Love and that. And they, all these they, they, clever bands that make make music last. And um, let's like say Stone Roses, that'll, it's not just a Northern thing. I think it, I think it translates across the UK and beyond. That's that's your that's your three choices. It is in the vault. Lock, locked in. My final choice um, is is another another local band, um, and this band you can actually say that there are Sunderland fans. Um, it's fairly easy to know why. 
Um, they played in 2019, I think it was 2019 or 2018, um, in, in, in Sunderland, in what turned out to be, sadly, their final gig as, as, as the current lineup. Um, they lost the drummer last year. Um, and the, the lead singer is someone who is very well known to us as a podcast. He's probably the only person involved in the podcast that's that's had any kind of chart success um and should be I mean, doing it and should be doing an episode like this yeah and should be involved <laughs> in this it's, it is of course frankly in the heartstrings um and the, there's loads of songs that 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 could have been used um that could have i could have used as a playlist choice but i'm going to go with the one that i think should have been used on um the sunderland till i die uh the series no offense to to the lake poets i just I think this particular song is much more beaten. It sums up what it's like to be a Sunderland fan. It probably wasn't even written about Sunderland. It was probably written about a, a woman I was chasing or something. But for me, I, I now link this in to, to following Sunderland. Um, and it's a song, I Still Follow You. The, the lyrics makes no sense, but I'll still follow. Is it, it couldn't be any more apt to be to be a Sunderland fan? Is like, why do we do this? Why do we spend so much money on on, on watching this football team when when they give us so much so little in return? So that's that's the playlist locked in. And um, there's going to be all of the other Sunderland, the peak run up stuff, um, your, your dance of the nights. Um, your Kanye Wests of this world of this world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think the only pro- pro- provocative song will be dance of the nights. I don't think there'll be any duplicates on that one. Um, but there's one song that we'd all kind of agreed on. Um, and that's, that's ready to go, which the first, one of the first songs to be played at the stadium. Um, personally, I've, I've got a, a daft link with it because I was one of the dancing children that, that opened the stadium back in 1997. I love it when this gets brought up on a yeah. podcast. It's great. Because yeah. we I, always forget and then it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's that again. Well, <laughs> I ran I ran out to ready to go before the first team did. So what we had to do is we had to stand in the, uh, the access point in the North Stand where they put the ambulances usually. And um we all had to stand there in a big crowd and when ready to when the opening strains are ready to go came on, we'd all have to burst onto the pitch. And we all had foam foam fingers. We had um the we had the home kit shorts and like ASICs red and white t-shirts. So we had these stupid foam fingers, which was in, incredibly 1997. And we had to do like a choreographed. It took two weeks to get to be trained how to, to dance to these songs, but there was like a medley of, of these upbeat dance tunes. And then status quo came on by helicopter, and we had to um, oh, yeah. we had to dance in like the pretend like we're like the, their fans, so we were like kind of pushed right up close to them and stuff, um, and then had to chase the car as it drove out the out the ground. So when they say, if you look at the, the highlights of that game, um, there's no sponsor boards around the pitch. 
And people say, oh, they couldn't even get their sponsor boards on in time. It wasn't because of that. It's because status quo's car had to be able to drive around the pitch um, at, the, <laughs> at, the, at the beginning of the game. So the stadium only got signed off about half an hour before the game, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we to... and then it was touch and go, I think. That's where we were going to get in. We did the dress rehearsal a couple of days before, and we all had to do it with um, hard hats on. Like I had to pause and consider how to say hard hat on. Done again. I knew you enjoyed it, Rick. I knew you enjoyed it. <laughs> no, so so we all had to like do this daft dance with foam fingers and a hard hat. But we we, we couldn't. We didn't actually get tickets to the game. Um, once we'd so done our sorry. bit, we had to. We, we had to go stand and outside. No, well, yes, that's we did. terrible. That is terrible in a marquee, which is where the um, where the, yeah, that is terrible, the, but just not surprising either. Yeah. So, where the aquatic center is now, there was like a big long marquee. We all went in there, and it was like a tea urn and some terrible like cordial and a couple of stale sandwiches. And there was about there was about fifty of us, like from different schools around around Sunderland. We're all kind of standing there milling around. We had, there was a radio tied to one of the pools. <laughs> And we listen to the game on the radio. That's amazing. You only, you only missed um, the Kevin Ball disallowed goal. It was uh, yeah. It was cries for a penalty shootout at the end, but that didn't happen either. I missed it. <laughs> I, I was I was on holiday, family holiday in a bathroom. I, I remember it. going. I remember first it, yeah. ever first ever game in the stadium. I like I missed it, but because yeah, I wasn't because it was a league, it wasn't a league game. I wasn't that bothered about it. I don't think. My yeah. my overriding memory of that is do you remember the remember the, the box of the chips that you used to sell in the stadium? There'd be like a white thing with a little blue and red little pattern on it. I just remember eating chips out of, a, out of one of them boxes with my granddad. And that's I don't know why that's the only thing I remember about that game, but I know it was definitely that one. And yeah, uh, yeah, it's just it's mad. But going back to ready to go, I think any any Sunderland fan who yeah went to the stadium light in that era, um, whenever you're here, ready to go. It just instantly. When a kick, when it when it takes you back, when when it just when it starts, when that song is starting, yeah, it doesn't matter yeah. where you are. If you listen to that yeah. song, the, 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 you know, because I've heard the argument before. Well, it was just a one run out song in, in an era of of of, of time when some have had lots of run out songs. But you know, when I was growing up, um, we were rocking for a little bit. But other clubs had that. I think Villa yeah. had that before we did Zed Cars, which were awesome. Everton, Everton and Watford both have. Yeah, and we had that for a bit. Ready to go was 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 unique to us because that song was current and it was out at the time, um, and it just was so it worked so well. If you look at yeah. if you watch it back a bit, players sprinting out the tunnel and it's blare. It just it, it just sums up that era for me. And I, th- and I think also you know, and it's a fair argument. People people were questioning whether it was overplayed, and in uh, in like in 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 terms of like does it really mean that much to Southern fans? But I think you know when when. When it was played, when as a run-out music for the Sheffield Wednesday game, I think you got your answer. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who was there, anyone who was there at the time knows what it means. It just, it just brings you back, and it, yeah, it, it's weird because I think it was the whole new stadium, and then there's the how good we were at the time, and everything about that era, um, in a way, ready to go. When you hear it, it all just comes back in one go, and that's for me why it's what, what this whole play is about. That that song probably sums it up more than any other for me. I think um, just because of that, just brings me back. That's that's a perfect perfect way to go out. And we're going to play out with uh, with ready to go. Hopefully, the right company don't sue us. <laughs> what a, what a way to go out! <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Thanks thanks to everyone for for joining us this afternoon. Um, as I say, 
you can contribute to the playlist. Just just send us a tweet on social media, um, and and we'll we'll include it. Drop it on Friday or Thursday, and um, everyone enjoy the trips to Wembley. Thanks for listening. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.